Hi. Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast, getting you ready for the Stamps and Bombers. We've got Doug Brown. We've got Mark Steven, play-by-play voice for the Stamps. Huge game Thursday night at IG Field. Also, you ever lost your cool playing sports? I have. <laughs> Who hasn't? Well, Jordan Morrell, who was the captain of Valor FC, isn't anymore because of his on-field actions. You'll hear what he had to say about that and his regrets on the podcast. Now let's turn our attention to tomorrow night's football game as we welcome Doug Brown to the show. Doug, how are you doing tonight? Can't complain, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great. So in your professional football experience, after a loss like the Bombers had in Toronto last week, how long would that sit with you? <laughs> Till the next win, hopefully. Um, and hopefully that comes in short order. So, yeah, it's been a, a couple of bad losses for them. Not that losing uh, to Hamilton would have been uh, such a bad look on them, but the fact that Jeremiah Mazzoli goes down in the first quarter and you still lose that game, unable to overcome a, a two-touchdown deficit because Dane Evans is the quarterback at the helm, that's almost as disappointing as uh, being the first win for the winless Toronto Argonauts, who uh, a lot of teams in the CFL were having their way with in terms of score discrepancies. There wasn't a lot going right for Toronto until uh, Winnipeg came to town and uh, served up their first victory of the season. So, you know, uh, I think if you've played any amount of years in pro football, you're going to have a bad loss. And this football team has to be so anxious and chomping at the bit to play this game tomorrow night because, uh, I mean, they've lost a ton of momentum and, and encouragement and fan support just from people going, what the heck just happened in Ontario? And uh, they they can't uh, right this ship quick enough or fast enough, if you ask me. Well, and even things weren't going well for Toronto in that game last week. It was 20 nothing Winnipeg at one point. <laughs> and so yeah. if, you, if you're the Bombers, you're, you're probably looking back. Was there any chance that was a trap game heading into this game against Calgary? Yeah, you know, the, I think the funny thing, the thing that really annoys people the most about that loss is that if you're capable of being up 20 nothing on a team in a quarter and a half, then, you know, it shows to everyone that you're clearly a superior football team to them. And, and the last time they played, what were they up 37 to six at halftime? Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, you know, so people digest that and they're like, well, what happened? And the only thing that they can understand is that, you know, the football team just lost interest and lost urgency and lost focus and weren't able to execute anymore. And it just didn't become important to them. And that's what I think, I mean, that's not necessarily a true interpretation, but that's how it looks when you're up by 20 points right off the bat in the game, second road trip. You haven't even come home yet. You just stayed out there since Hamilton and uh, you're just blowing their doors off again. But something happened that allowed this football team back in. And to everybody watching from the outside, a lot of people are like, well, that's just an effort thing. That's just a want to thing that, that didn't happen for Winnipeg. So now let's turn our attention to tomorrow night, Calgary coming to town. Whenever the Calgary Stampeders are the opponent, it's always a big game. It has been for a long time because Calgary has been the gold standard in the West and in the CFL and Winnipeg's been trying to catch them for a long time. So how really big a game is this? It's still August, but how enormous is this game? 
Yeah, I mean it's it's big in the sense that you know Winnipeg was a five and zero football club that's five and two and reeling right now, and this is you know in football just like a lot of sports, winning fixes everything, right? So you go out, especially against a high quality, high caliber opponent, you go out and beat Calgary. We're not talking about what happened in Ontario anymore. We're like, okay, well, that was our blip. That was our little glitch. And uh, we're back on track. And we're six and two, number one in the Western Division and, and first in the CFL. So everything's fine. And so I think the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are certainly desperate for that. And honestly, I mean, unless Bo Levi Mitchell starts this game, Calgary is still showing up playing their backup quarterback. He's had a great run, but when is that? When is the law of averages going to catch up to him? You know, he's a backup for a reason. There's got to be enough film out there now to poke some holes in what he's doing offensively. And, uh, you know, I'm confident. I, th- I think all bets are off if Bo Levi shows up and, and returns. But I also think Bo Levi is probably pressing to get back in right now. He's probably a little concerned about what's happening uh, under his watch without him being on the football field. But I think, you know, with a backup quarterback at the helm, I think the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are uh, – this is a perfect opportunity uh, for them to get everyone to stop talking about how bad they've been and how quickly – they responded. This is a response game. This is a, a game to show your team is resilient and has uh, has ability to clear that adversity and move on. Well, I'll tell you that Nick Arbuckle is starting the game tomorrow, but Levi's not on the active roster for the game. So it'll be Nick Arbuckle again, who has, to his credit, guided the team to all five of its victories when he came in in the in the win over BC in week three when Bo Levi was hurt. He got the winning touchdown late in that game. Uh, and of course, the game against Ottawa, they shouldn't have won. They only beat Toronto by 10. They managed to beat a good Edmonton team last week. So, you know, you look at Nick Arbuckle, you give him credit, but how much of it is just the system that is Calgary and the constant success they have re- seemingly regardless of the parts? Yeah, I mean, every year they it appears they lose half their roster, right? They can't keep paying. When you're contending for the Grey Cup or you're the Grey Cup champion uh, almost annually, you lose the ton of players because everybody wants to get paid and everyone has an opportunity to go get a raise because you're a part of that team. Your value goes up just by, uh, just by association of being with the Calgary Stampeders and being that good yet, you know, they have an uncanny ability, their system, their infrastructure to just elevate players or, you know, I'm not sure whether they're able to just bring out the best in players or whether it's just their, their system that is, is, is so profound that, you know, people can just enter it and, uh, you know, it's it's got some kind of knack or ability to just be able to execute better uh, when you're when you're playing uh, under that kind of coaching tutelage. So a lot of pressure or maybe not pressure, but a lot of scorn from the fans was heaped on the play calling late in last week's game with Andrew Harris not getting touches how important is getting Andrew Harris involved in the offense tomorrow night? Uh, you know what? It's uh, getting Andrew Harris involved. Um, it's, I think it's situational. You know, I, I don't, I don't think, uh, I think it's situational in the sense that Andrew Harris had a super hot hand against Toronto. So, uh, that was, you know, his, his first half when he rushed for over 100 yards. And, you know, through the end of the game, I think he had near a 10-yard per carry average. Um, I think 
the reason there was so much angst about you know his lack of involvement late in the game was just the fact that he was the guy that was in the zone. He was the guy that had the hot hand against Toronto. So everyone's like, why aren't you feeding him the ball? And then, you know, in the pressure moments of that game, Paul Apolise defended himself saying, hey, I think in the final moments of that fourth quarter or for most of that fourth quarter, I think they ran four plays or, or five plays or something ridiculous like that. And on one of them, you know, Andrew Harris got stuffed behind the line of scrimmage. And when the whole game gets condensed into a quarter like that, you become a prisoner of the moment. And you see something bad happen to the run game, and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, well, we can't run the ball anymore because that's just not working. You're trapped in that sequence of events because that's where all the pressure is. Maybe that happened. Um, but like I said, I don't necessarily think going up against Calgary, it has to be just Andrew Harris. It has to be – it depends how he's playing, right? It depends on how successful – you know, if he's having uh, that kind of carry and yards average and, and he's breaking runs like he did and scoring two touchdowns, like he did, then maybe, yeah, he has to be a, a primary force in that game. But I really think, you know, uh, Paul Apolis to do a good job of understanding, uh, hopefully better job of understanding in this game, who has a hot hand, where he should be going, what is working best. And just, you know, it takes, uh, it takes a lot of courage to be patient, uh, patient with these kind of things and, and sticking with uh, what is working, even though, I mean, there are always going to be some plays where there's uh, a sense of failure. Final question, Doug. Are you expecting more of an offensive shootout or a defensive struggle tomorrow? That's you know I, I I think yeah I think offensively I think uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are going to be itching to get back on track. I think they uh, have something to prove now offensively, and uh, you know Calgary is very capable there. And I I just haven't you know if you look at the yardage the, the Bomber defense has given up of late. Um, it makes you hard-pressed to think that they're necessarily going to be able uh, to contain the passing game, even though their, their, their pass rush is pretty formidable. But they just haven't been able to uh, really curtail things through the air to a, a large degree, a large extent. So I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if this game's you know uh, in the 30s or high 20s. All right, Doug, we'll appreciate your time tonight. We'll see you at the stadium tomorrow. All right, my friend. See you there. Right now, I want to welcome in Mark Steven, the longtime play-by-play voice of the Calgary Stampeders. Mark, welcome to the CJB Sports Show. Yeah, good. Good to be here. Good to see a good game between two good teams tomorrow. Yes. So it is August 7th. It'll be August 8th when the game happens. Is that too early to be a really big game in the West? Well, probably at one level it is. I can see what you're saying there. But uh, I'll just say this, that, uh, you know, if a team gets a lead chasing versus being chased are two different things. And, you know, you look up the standings and you're trying to make up ground and it's a bit of a different mindset than being on top. I acknowledge it's only one game, like you say, and it is early August with the bulk of the season still in front of both of the teams. But I think just psychologically, there's something good about, uh, you know, a few games into the season when it has a little meeting, as I say, being the chaser versus being chased. And there's two different mindsets there. So yeah, I think there's something on the line for that when, uh, these teams play tomorrow there and saying all that does that therefore mean this game might mean a little more to Winnipeg considering they have been the one doing the chasing for so many years yeah I would say so I would say that 
right now the Stampeders remain the measuring stick uh, for teams across the league. I acknowledge the Stamps aren't maybe the same team that won the Grey Cup last year, but they're still on top, and nobody's won more games than them. So, uh, yeah, I would say it's a bit of a measuring stick for the Blue Bombers who got off to the good start but have stubbed their toe the last couple of games. So uh, we'll see how this one plays out. So the Calgary Stampeders are 5-2. and two. Do they deserve to be 5-2? and two? Yes. They've, they've done a lot of good things, and, you know, they've uh, really become a terror on, spe- on uh, turnovers. They've created more turnovers than just about anybody and cashed in more points on it. Uh, you know, they've played very good defense, and they've fought through an awful lot of injuries. Uh, you know, their first game against Ottawa, they probably shouldn't have uh, lost, but they did. Their next game against BC, uh, I'm not sure they should have won it, but they did. So these things have a way of balancing out, and the Stampeders are where they are right now uh, on merit. And perhaps that second game against Ottawa as well, if it wasn't for a strange decision by Rick Campbell, maybe they lose that game yeah. too. But, they, you know, over the course of 18 games, that kind of thing thing happens. So tell us more uh, from, you know, Winnipeg may not have seen much of Nick Arbuckle this season, but tell us more about Nick Arbuckle. Well, first he is going to start. I was confirmed he's going to be the quarterback. Uh, Bo Levi Mitchell will take over in the next game. Uh, he's a guy that uh, actually Stampeders let go a couple of times at different camps. They didn't sign him. But they had a retirement in May of 2018. They brought him back, and he just fit right in. He's a guy that uh, played at Georgia State. He's from the Los Angeles area, but he played at Georgia State. He's uh, very much a student of the game, uh, very much a you know guy that sits down and talks and thinks things through. Uh, most mornings at the office, if he's not opening the door for Bo Levi Mitchell, Bo Levi Mitchell's opening the door for him. He's a very diligent worker, and uh, certainly it's paid off. He has a tremendous record, just a couple of interceptions in the time that he's been in there playing. And, uh, you know, he's demonstrated, uh, I think, a lot not only to his teammates, but to others around the league. So he's very calm and a very composed. He's not quite as dynamic as Bo Levi Mitchell, but uh, he's got the job done since he's taken over the starting job uh, late June. So how does he provide a different look for opponents compared to Bo Levi? Well, Bo is much more of a you know a gambler and will take the deep shots. He'll uh, you know open it up and scramble around a little more, and then just the confidence level that comes with you know Bo Levi Mitchell's record of success and longevity in the league. I would say that uh, it's a little more cautious approach for Nick Arbuckle, but certainly an effective one. But Bo Levi Mitchell is maybe a little more of a gambler and knows a little bit more what's going on as belies the fact that he's been in the league with the Stampeders since 2012. Is there any difference in how the offensive playbook is being used then? Not really, no. Uh, it's uh, maybe just a case, as I say, they don't take as many long shots with, uh, you know, Nick Arbuckle. But uh, outside of that, probably not. Uh, Nick will run a little bit more. That's just though a reaction to what's going on on the field as opposed to Bo Levi Mitchell. Arbuckle's already the short yardage quarterback. So I can't say there's a lot of difference, but uh, just a different approach to it. And uh, Bo Levi Mitchell has uh, just a little more confidence and a little more experience, and he's able to drag that out when circumstances call for it. Obviously, conversations always start with the quarterback in the CFL, but what are some other names that have really stood out for you in the first seven games for the Stampeders? Well, there's been a few. Uh, Trey Roberson has been a corner. He's actually uh, got quite a backstory. He's the grandson of a former Eskimo, Larry Highbaugh. 
He started off the season on fire. He's got five interceptions, matching uh, Winston Rose of the Blue Bombers, and five knockdowns as well. Teams, though, are starting to shy away from him, so I'm not sure how many big stats he's going to put up over the next little while. Corey Greenwood came in. He was signed late last year, recovering from an injury he suffered in Edmonton's camp at the start of 17. And he's picked up where Alex Singleton is. He's a little different uh, linebacker, but he's uh, leading the league in tackles entering play this weekend. So he's been very, very strong. And uh, a guy that just picked up where Alex Singleton left off. And uh, that's where the Stampeders have uh, done so well. Cordero Law, defensive lineman, who's in his second tour with the Stampeders has also played very well and he's on the defensive line and Reggie Begleton I think is due for a pretty big breakout season here a receiver that has a great yards after catch ability so we'll see how all of those players play but those are probably some of the players that have contributed to the team's success so far this year. Do you ever marvel or kind of just stop and think how does Calgary do this year after year after year? Well, it is amazing, isn't it? I, I got to say that in a league where uh, things change and the turnover leads to great success and then uh, uh, great uh, struggles for many, many years. Uh, yeah, I wonder about it at times, but I'll tell you the two things that I think uh, have made this team a success. One uh, is nobody outworks them on the Canadian draft. I mean, many of their Canadians are late round draft picks, yet significant contributors. And two, uh, John Huffnagel, the general manager, just has the unique ability to see around the corner and uh, be prepared for pretty much anything. I mean, frankly, the only time in the last few years they were caught a little off guard and deviated from the plan was last year down the stretch when they had multiple receivers go down and they had to bring in people like Bakari Grant, like Chris Matthews is now with the Blue Bombers. Uh, Most of the time they have a plan and they are, I think, as good as anybody, maybe better at uh, developing and training their own players from within. So it's rare they have to partway through a season, plug somebody in with uh, no experience in the Calgary system. Final question but for it you. Is odd. It, yeah, it, yeah, it is odd. It's fantastic, especially when you see some of the way yeah. the climbs and quick drops of a lot of other franchises have had. Final question, Mark. I asked this to Doug Brown earlier. Are you expecting more of an offensive shootout or of a def- defensive struggle tomorrow night? I think more of a, a bit of a, a defensive struggle tomorrow. Uh, for the first time uh, last week against uh, Edmonton and the Stampeders were at home, Nick Arbuckle showed a little bit of what he is. And, uh, you know, as a he's a promising, bright, but inexperienced quarterback. And the offense uh, struggled at times to get going. So, you know, maybe that's just the fact he's still only in a very, very early stage of his career. So I think, uh, you know, the offense probably isn't firing quite on all cylinders right now. So I expect the defense to play a large role and we'll see how it uh, shakes down the first of three meetings between these teams this year. So it's uh, very important for both teams. Absolutely. Mark, appreciate your time and uh, have fun at the game tomorrow. Good luck on the call. Maybe we'll see you down there. Oh, we will. Look forward to it. It's a lot of fun to come to Winnipeg and I'm really looking forward to the game there. Now, Monday you may have been busy. It was a holiday. You might not have seen what happened with Valor FC in Halifax. It was an afternoon game. It was a 1-0 loss. Another loss in which Valor FC did not score. I know. But the takeaway was their captain, Jordan Morrell, who's been on the field for every single minute of the season for Valor, he got what he thought fouled hard. Didn't like the no call. And as he's getting up, frustrated near the end of another loss, 
He shoves the ref. You can't do that in any sport. He gets a red card. And as he's going off the pitch, he gives a big kick to the scorer's table, sends stuff everywhere. And as such, it looked terrible because it was bad. We've all lost our cool before. I know I have. There was a time that really stands out in a beer league hockey game a couple years ago. I didn't have a chin strap because it had broken off. I scored a goal. I don't score many goals. So this is a big deal. And the ref says, where's your chin strap? And I said, I don't know. So not only does the goal get disallowed, but I get a penalty and I lose my mind. I start throwing my helmet. I throw my stick, not on the ice, on the bench. As I go back to the locker room to find my chin strap, I serve the penalty. And then the ref about a month later said, yeah, the the goal should have counted. Sorry about that. Yeah, man, come on. Know the rule book. It's beer league hockey. This matters, dang it. Then sometimes I'll, you know, throw my glove on the bench after I make a defensive mistake and slow pitch, but it's never on camera. That's the thing. It's just a few other people around me that think I'm an idiot for being angry. A lot of people saw this and were not happy with Jordan Morrell. And today, ahead of the team's training session at Grant Park, Morrell addressed the media and said he was sorry. Obviously, uh, I want to apologize to the fans of Halifax, the Halifax Wonders Club, Valor fans, and uh, Valor Club. I've spoken to my teammates and the coaches at length, and um, I want, would like to apologize to everybody that I just mentioned before. Uh, that, that's out of character for me. Obviously, frustration boils over during the game, and and uh, I didn't I didn't deal with it properly, and and uh, completely understand. Um, that there are obviously implications to that and um, I have to deal with them and that's just the way it's going to be. And obviously um, I've spoken to, well not obviously, I've spoken to Stephen Hart, the coach at the Wonders Club, looking for the guy that was sitting at the table. So I had to call him, I called him personally and apologized to him directly. Obviously my actions weren't gestured towards him. He just happened to be there at the time and I apologized to him personally and and um, yes, again, I would like to apologize to him again. Obviously, it wasn't my intention to bring any harm towards anybody. And obviously, this is uh, not a reflection of the club and it's not a reflection of me. It was just uh, frustration boiling over at the time. And yeah, I'd like to apologize for that. How shortly afterwards did you kind of realize you made a mistake? Right after. As soon as I sat down in the in the dressing room, um, obviously, I, I noticed I made a mistake. and. Uh, and I just sat there and was like, well, I'm not sure how I'm going to have to deal with this. And obviously my, my reactions weren't, aren't accepted in the league and at our club. And it's just going to have to be like that. Do you have any kind of history of outbursts like that in your past? No, actually, no. Um, I've been, everyone knows I'm as cool as a cucumber usually. And um, I'm not sure what it was that one day. And, and obviously it won't happen again. Do you feel like uh, it was a reflection of your of the game or of the season or maybe a combination of both? You know, um, this year it's, it's been tough, you know, it's been tough for everybody and um, I'm not going to I'm not gonna say that yes it was, um, it's just obviously frustration during that time and and uh, that's just kind of the way I kind of dealt with it which was immature and, and not, and um, I would learn from it. What conversations have you had with your teammates and uh, Coach Gale as well? Uh, you know, we've had um, Ample conversations. Me and uh, the coaching staff sat down for a few hours yesterday, and we we spoke about just everything in general, and um, just apologized to them directly, and and um, 
frustration happens in the game and it's just about dealing with it better and uh, spoken with the with my teammates often and you know those are my brothers and I let them down going out the game like that and obviously I'm looking to better myself and help the team in any way possible and um, help help bring the the name of Valor back up to standard. Did you guys discuss whether or not you'll be the captain? Uh, yeah, we spoke to to the coaching staff and uh, and the teammates, and we decided that it would be best for me not to be captain the rest of the year. Um, and I completely understand uh, the actions that I portrayed on the weekend aren't captain worthy, and it's about me regaining the trust of my teammates and my coaches and my fans. How kind of tough is that? You make one mistake, and then there's people on Twitter and stuff calling for your head. Uh, I mean, that's just the way it is. You know, we we play in a in a sport that's all over the world, and people that's their jobs you know they, they want to they would like to um, amplify situations and obviously I made a mistake and I don't really go on Twitter to be fair that much obviously the the apology I put out and that's been it so whether your suspensions three games or six months how do you think you're gonna kind of handle this time uh, away from the game uh, I mean I'm gonna be here to support my teammates and uh, support my coaching staff and and support the name of Valor you know I'll be uh, here every day and uh, be training hard and helping helping the team as much as possible and and doing whatever it needs to be done. Flat Jordan Morrell, a Valor FC defender on the team, and anybody that's made a fool of themselves through anger has been there before and knows almost immediately they feel small, right? Everyone's looking at you, and immediately you think, what am I doing? Come on, you're better than this. Sometimes you can learn it from it as a growing moment. No, not to do it again. And I have a feeling Morel, that will be the case for him because this is a situation where he's going to lose games, a three game suspension for the red card is the minimum. He'll miss could get more from soccer Canada, depending on what they feel is appropriate for shoving a ref than kicking a scorer's table and really just acting like an idiot. Really? That's all you could say. Not captainly behavior, not valorly behavior. He has taken his punishment, no doubt. He's not fighting this. Tune into the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell. Or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I think you're out of luck. But Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?